Republican presidential rivals Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis appeared for the first time at the same 2024 campaign event. They have one thing in common, a mutual loathing of each other and President Joe Biden. I'm Aaron Young. Let's get started. Now from our headquarters at Ticker Park, this is Ticker Today. So Iowa has been the hunting ground for wannabe Republican candidates right now. The feuding Democrats briefly spoke at Iowa GOP's annual Lincoln dinner. DeSantis wasted no time highlighting Biden's recent troubles and Trump, who's not typically shy of taking shots against his Republican contenders, barely made any digs at first against DeSantis, except to brag about crushing him in the polls. Here's what they both had to say. If I weren't running, I would have nobody coming after me. Or if I was losing by a lot, I would have nobody coming after me. We want education in this country, not indoctrination in this country. We got it done in Florida and we need to get it done nationally. All right, for more, let's bring in Bruce Wolpe, Senior Fellow at the U.S. Studies Center, who's in Colorado at the moment. Bruce, uh, both sides hitting out a little bit at each other, but still it was about saying to Republicans, let's get back into the White House. That's exactly right. DeSantis um, did a good job, but I think Trump crushed it and is trying to crush him. Uh, DeSantis talked about his agenda, what he wants to accomplish, but he still was not a frontal, full-on attack on Trump uh, to to take him down, which has to be done if DeSantis is going to capture his nomination. But the reception that DeSantis got, he got very strong applause, is because he has invested in Iowa. He is working it hard. He does have supporters. The campaign is underway. And all the noise, he says, that you're seeing about, you know, the polls are down and so forth. My campaign is in decline. He says, I'm focused on the place that's really important right now. Trump, on the other hand, just wants to pick DeSantis up, spit on him, and then just throw him out the window. And uh, he has no problem doing that at all. And it, it really is his, his base loves it. Now, Tim Scott's on a bit of an upswing as well, hitting out at DeSantis over the teaching principles and policies you and I spoke about regarding slavery last week. Yes, he did. And uh, he's not going to uh, defer to uh, he's not going to let the DeSantis vision of slavery and how it should be taught in the schools become a conservative bedrock of ideology shaping the campaign. And, and but he does it. He has this sunny disposition and he has this very pleasant uh, presentation and people kind of in, in, in a time of very bitter partisan politics and intra-party partisan politics, he stands out as someone who's decent and uh, he's trying, he's making the most of it. He has a lot of money behind him and he's going, he's working these small states hard. So as, so, so as DeSantis has fallen in the polls, uh, Tim Scott is rising and actually they're kind of within reach of each other. One seems to be on the way down, the other on the way up. So uh, again, the objective is if one person can win both Iowa and New Hampshire, that person is almost assuredly going to be the nominee. Tim Scott wants to be in there. Now, Trump's polls are up, DeSantis' polls are down. When I saw them speaking, even that clip just there, I thought uh, president and vice president. What chances could you see that happening? I, I can't see it because I think they really despise each other. I can see. Yeah, but uh, politics is the one business in the world where two people who despise each other end up working so well with each other. Absolutely. Go back to Ronald Reagan and uh, George H.W. Bush, who bitter opponents. Although uh, Jimmy Carter did not pick Ted Kennedy to be his vice president in 1980. So uh, but I, I, I just don't see how after everything Trump has said about DeSantis, how they feel about each other. And, and DeSantis already said, I'm a chief executive. I'm not taking the second job. But I can see Tim Scott as sort of being the ideal vice presidential candidate, a, a black conservative Republican 
on uh, on that ticket I, I, that could who could um, smooth over. Well, you can't smooth over smooth over Trump, but you can sure make him more attractive to voters who you are at risk of losing because of your extreme posture. And so that's why. Uh, no, I don't think uh, DeSantis and Trump will ever, ever get along together. Interesting, because when you go back to 08, the race for 08, the White House and the Democrats up for it were, of course, Obama and Hillary Clinton, and they had the gloves off during those primaries. It was hard to believe they would ever talk to each other again afterwards. And yet she became Secretary of State, proving that a chief executive doesn't mind actually uh, moving into a role if it's better than just simply running a state. You couldn't see DeSantis, even if Trump were to win, not taking up any role at all within a Trump White House 2.0. And I guess more to the point, does Trump need DeSantis as a way to essentially say to the base, look, I know I've got a few complications at the moment, but I can work with people who you might prefer. The, the Obama-Hillary thing is really, it just shows Obama's political genius and how he could put people together. I don't think Trump has it. And in fact, there's been uh, a survey of uh, Trump's uh, cabinet members, those who served in his cabinet, over 40 of them. How many of them are endorsing Trump? Only four out of 44. And so he doesn't have the ability to draw at this stage, being such a known quantity uh, of, of bringing those people in. Um, I, I, and I just don't think that DeSantis, DeSantis is a very willful person. He hates being criticized. He never, he hates being contradicted. He never backs down either. Trump doesn't back down on his personal stuff. DeSantis doesn't back down on, on his governance, how, he, how he's got, governed in Florida and what his priorities are. So I, I think it's going to be kind of hard for both of them to form well-rounded teams uh, of people should they become president, win the election, and try and change the course of the country. Now, Donald Trump's in a bit of legal trouble, as we know, and he's using about $50 million of his campaign contributions from small donors across the nation, essentially to help to pay for his legal bills, his legal woes. Uh, what do you make of that? I, I, I think it's just astonishing. Um, he's a billionaire, right? Uh, but uh, he's not rich enough or doesn't feel himself rich enough to pay for the, the legal defense. I get the feeling with Donald Trump that he's asset rich in someone else's name, but cash poor. Well, he, it, well, he's not tapping his cash for his legal problems. So he does, for, of his contributions, his biggest pack, Political Action Committee, has, has give, raised a lot of money and has given $50 million to Trump for his legal battles. And those legal battles are about to... Ex, uh, expand and go, and they will go on for the next 18 months. So we could be talking 100, 150 million dollars in campaign funds that are going to his legal battles. I, I think a lot of people over time will look, sit back on this and say, what is going on here? But the, the really interesting thing is that his small donor supporters, his base, keep sending in the money. So they're not offended. Trump really knows how to tap into them and they respond with their wallets. Mm. Uh, now, let's talk about Hunter Biden and Ukraine and even where Trump fits into this, because some analysis over the weekend points out that Hunter Biden has become quite the complication, as we know, for President Biden, but also in terms of the United States relationship with Ukraine during what is such a difficult time for Ukraine. Now, Trump's come out saying he wants Ukraine aid stopped until the investigations of the Bidens ramp up. Uh, what do you make of this? Well, his, it comes down to the Republicans in the House who have gone after Hunter Biden in order to take Joe Biden down. Uh, as you may recall, Aaron, I'm sure you do, two committees, the Judiciary Committee and uh, another uh, and a special investigating committee are trying to get all the information they can on Hunter Biden. And they have lined up for the most aggressive Hunter Biden 
investigations. So the House members are there. So Trump is now saying no aid to Ukraine until you get what you're seeking in the investigations of Hunter Biden and Joe Biden. And I think about half the caucus, it's about 100 members in the House, are with Trump in this. So it's a powerful wedge that he's um, hammering into the Congress and into uh, the political debate in order to keep this issue red hot and to gain from it from doubts that some may, that many may have about Hunter Biden and, and what it means for Joe Biden. But what does Hunter Biden mean for Joe Biden, do you think? At the least, it's a it's a continuing series of personal embarrassments that reflect on his life, and uh, and then does that you know taint uh, the president? But all for every president, their relatives are looked at and what they do in business in their personal lives. So that's nothing new. So the question is, does it rise to such a level of political potency that it really hurts the president in the Oval Office? So far for Biden, no. But again, the Republicans have every incentive to uh, amplify on it and try and just make life miserable for Biden as he goes about winning renomination and, and contesting the election. We all have families. All right, we'll leave it there for now. And enjoy Colorado. Uh, Bruce, thank you so much for your time. And we'll talk again next week. Thank you, Aaron. And that is a program for now. For more, you can head to TickerNews.com. Aaron Young, hope to see you soon. 